Please bow. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. And God's people said, Amen. The Kansas City Chiefs and the Seattle Seahawks have an ongoing debate as to which stadium is the loudest in the National Football League. The Chief fans have registered 142.2 decibels and the Seahawks 137.6. So they're very close. NFL teams that visit either of these two stadiums must prepare for an extreme level of noise and they do so by practicing in indoor facilities with piped-in fan noise or crowd noise. And they go over their snap counts. Often they have to have silent snap counts so that their team doesn't run off, jump offside all the time. They're playing in the midst of fans who passionately love their teams. I can only imagine what it would be like to try to play the game out on those fields. Or if you think basketball, imagine how difficult it would be to shoot free throws down at Cameron Indoor Stadium at Duke University. Some of you have been there for basketball games and understand it. I've been to VCU games and it is loud there. That's one of the loudest arenas, uh, but Cameron Indoor is, um, from what I understand, amazing. Here are the top 10 toughest basketball arenas to play in. Of course, Duke, first one, and this is according to Sports Illustrated. Kansas, third is Kentucky, followed by Gonzaga, Indiana, New Mexico, Syracuse, Michigan State, Xavier, and Iowa State, rounding out number 10. While we're on it, we may as well talk about college football for just a second. Here are the top five loudest stadiums in college football. The Washington Huskies, number one, at 133.6 decibels. Then Clemson, followed by LSU. Then the Oregon Ducks. And rounding out number five with 126.2 decibels, your own Virginia Tech Hokies. And I, I've never been there. I'm, you know, I'm um, from South Carolina, so we pull for the Gamecocks. But I understand... Sadly, we lost last night, and yes, we got some Clemson fans in the house too, yes, but it is quite something to listen to a game at the Hokie Stadium. There's something special about playing in front of your home team. Even if you're not at 100%, which the Hokies have not been, Going into that kind of environment can help push you over the edge, and they ended up beating out the Cavaliers this past Friday. The home team crowd can give you encouragement and adrenaline and can help you to finish well. And I believe that the heroes of the faith that we read about in Hebrews chapter 11 are like this for us as we run the race of the Christian life that is set out before us, that no matter what we might face, we have people cheering us on. 
Sometimes you might ask the question, I wonder if anybody else is dealing with what I'm dealing with. Has anybody, does anybody else really understand what I'm going through? Or am I all alone? I am here to tell you that you are not alone, that we are not alone. If you have a marriage that's struggling, you are not alone. If you have a child who is hurting, you are not alone. If you've gone through a divorce and you're trying to recover, you are not alone. If you have a teenager who is struggling with all the things that go on in this world today, you are not alone. And if you are a student struggling with the stress of school and the pressures around you and all the things on social media, you are not alone. You are in the right place. If you had an empty place setting at the table this past Thursday, you are not alone. If there's more month than there is paycheck left over, you are not alone. And if you have ever questioned God and don't understand some of the things that you see or that you're experiencing, you are definitely not alone. When you are alone and you feel like giving up or throwing in the towel or hanging up the cleats, you're not alone. You are among family. We have a great cloud of witnesses that have gone before us, that cheer us on, that help us to persevere through whatever it is that we might face. The writer of Hebrews, the preacher, is a sermon we believe, helps us to be encouraged as we go through the Christian life and run the race that is set before us. One of the first things I want us to remember today is simply to remember your roots when you're going through these kinds of times, remember your roots. You are part of the great family of God. Hebrews 11 records heroes of the faith who had fought and struggled as they waited on God and followed God's call because they stayed with God and did what God told them to do. They never gave up. They eventually saw God's blessings begin to operate in their lives. But nearly all of them endured great hardships and difficulties before they ever experienced victory. To let us know that we are not alone in our faith, the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us, let us run with perseverance the race that is set out before us. That's verse 1 that you heard Isabella read earlier. The New International Version records the text translating this as surrounds, this great cloud of witness surrounds us. The King James just translates it, this cloud of witness is compassed about us. Wherefore, seeing we are we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Whether you translate it surrounded by or compassed about, the Greek word here is pekamene. And it's a compound word which means to lie around as if something has been piled high all around you on every side. 
And I believe the preacher is saying that you and I are encircled by something that is stacked high on every side. It's a great cloud of witnesses cheering us on as if you walked in or ran into the stadium and it was packed and they were cheering you on as they do your favorite football or basketball team. The Bible is piled high of examples of people who stand in the faith and endure difficulties in order to do the will of God. We are surrounded on every side with powerful examples of people who are challenged in their faith yet held fast to the Word of God. Hebrews 12.1 reminds us to remember our roots. And we are not limited to the Bible for people who fit this description. They are in your family of faith. They are the people who led you to the Lord, the Sunday school teachers who nurtured you, the grandmother who carried you to church, the preacher who helped you discover a call to ministry, and so forth and so on. We are the family of God. We are cheering one another on as we run the race of the Christian life. So remember when you feel like throwing in the towel or hanging up the cleats, your home team is cheering you on. Remember your roots. When we have encouragement from God's Spirit and other people who are around us and from God's Word, we can push on and persevere in the faith. The writer knew that we would need more encouragement and says that we get weighed down. And when we are weighed down, that we should throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. And if you'll permit my loose translation here, this is the authorized Bob version. Name the baggage and let it go. All right? These are the things that we need to throw off, the things that weigh us down and hinder us, and we need to throw them off. Name the baggage and let it go. There are two important word pictures here. The first is to throw off everything that hinders. There's this picture of a runner running the Greek race and Toward the end, they have to shed off the extra clothing and maybe they're just wearing one pair of shorts as they cross over and everything else has been left by the wayside. If you've ever run a race, you know what I'm talking about. Recently, several of us from HRBC ran the Richmond Half Marathon and a couple of, of us ran the marathon. And it's cold in the morning. And often people will wear extra clothing, a heavy sweatshirt, a stocking cap, thick gloves, pair of sweatpants to keep warm pre-race. And then, Matthew, as you know, you've run, as you're going down the course, you start seeing people throwing off the hat, throwing off the gloves, the sweatshirt goes by the wayside, and all along the sidewalk, there are articles of clothing that people have shed because eventually they become too hot to wear and too heavy to sustain you as you go through the course of the race. This is precisely what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. To throw off the hindrances that weigh us down. On Sunday mornings when I prepare for preaching, I take some time for prayer in my study and I get down on my knees and I pray through this passage and I pray that God that you would not allow me to be a hindrance or a stumbling block to anybody. Help me to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. Help me to focus solely on Jesus. Let me not turn to the right nor to the left 
but keep my eyes fixed on him. Help me, in, in other words, help me throw off any baggage that could cause anyone in our congregation to stumble. Please cleanse me from unrighteousness. Forgive me from any sin, known or unknown, that might be a hindrance. It might weigh somebody down unjustly. The weight that hinders, this weight that we throw off, we've got to name it. What is it for you? What is it? Name it. When we name something, we acknowledge that it exists, we acknowledge that it's a problem with us, and then we throw it off by the wayside. By the way, the Richmond Marathon folks donate all of the clothes that's thrown off to the side to homeless ministry. So there's good that comes from that. The Greek word translated weight that hinders is agkos. It means like a, a mass or a heavy burden that causes someone to bend over from the load that they're carrying. Agkos, if you follow the etymology, is where we get the word for angle, like a 90 degree angle, and also ankle, the joint between your leg and your foot, and also the bend in your arm where your elbow is, the angle, the agkos. And in this passage, it's talking about things that bend us over, like your arm bends at an angle or your ankle bends. Uh, these things bend us over and they keep us from, from um, experiencing the destiny that God has in store for us. So we name it and we throw away the baggage. Paul says it's like this in Colossians 3.8. But you must also rid yourselves, same, same word concept, of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. And there are all kinds of other things that the Bible names that are hurtful to us. These are just a few examples that we name and we throw them off to the wayside. And the second word picture, more than throwing off the weight and the burdens, we need to consider our environment. The preacher here in Hebrews says that there are sins that easily entangle us. So we have weights that burden us down, and we have sins that entangle us. And this Greek word is eupereistatos, and it means something that comfortably stands all around you, such as a comfortable environment. So this phrase in Hebrews 12.1 can be understood in this way. Lay aside the sin and the environment that so comfortably envelops you. And if you and I are honest, we get comfortable with sin. We get comfortable even with environments that can lead us to sinful behavior. You think about that for a moment. Sometimes we get too comfortable, too complacent, and then we are susceptible to go down a path that we shouldn't go. If God's word to you is to lay aside every weight that applies to you, then we must obey God and make a break from that unhealthy environment. And that could be a relationship. It could be a place where you hang out that's comfortable, but the environment is unhealthy. It could be something in the comfort of your own home, on the comfort of your own computer screen, that is unhealthy when you start to dabble in it. Perhaps it's old friends from days gone by that it's a comfortable being around them, but they drag you down 
take you to a wrong place. Or maybe it's old places that you used to hang out or wrong believing or trying to exert. They're exerting a bad influence on us and we're not able to resist those influences very well. For us, the environment itself might be the sin that so easily entangles us. I would say that this is a situation where we must trust God to provide a better situation when we throw off what is weighing us down or hindering us and remove ourselves from an unhealthy environment. We cannot do this alone. We've got to name the baggage, throw it off, change the environment, and then seek often professional help so that we continue to go the right way. Or it might be if it's an addiction that we get involved in a recovery program and we begin attending 12-step meetings and so forth. I hope you understand where I'm coming from. We, we need people to come alongside us and help us. The family of God encourages us and then you might need a pastor or a professional counselor, somebody that can help guide you in those ways and help keep you from falling back. Jesus himself said, come to me, See, he, he knows we need his help. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I, I, he also said you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When we rid the things that weigh us down and change our environment, then we are free to move forward. That's the the third bullet point. We are free to move. We are free. I like the song we sing in the contemporary service. I am free to run. I am free to dance. We are free to move forward. The race, to run the race with perseverance that is marked out for us. Here the Greek New Testament sense is to keep on running, not just to go somewhere and stop, but to keep running the life of the Christian faith, to run with haste intentionality to exert ourselves toward the finish line. We run with endurance. I like how Paul says it in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. Chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead, leaning into forward motion. Verse 14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Those are the kind of things that I hope are a long time away that are said about me when my life is celebrated. That I have kept the faith, that I have run the race with perseverance, that I have moved forward, that I have kept my eyes on Jesus. And that's the, the last encouragement I see here in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. To keep Jesus Christ at the center of your vision. Front and center. Don't turn to the right or to the left. 
to keep Jesus front center. Paul says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage, rather. He made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, that at the name of Jesus, every in heaven and on earth and under, under earth, every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In Philippians 2, verses 5 and following. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Keep Jesus at the center of your vision. Let us not take our sights off of Jesus who has gone before us. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith, hence the title for today's sermon. Hebrews 12, 2. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The author, the pioneers, the one who sets the course, blazed the trail, shows us where to go. That's Jesus in front. We keep our eyes fixed on him. And as the perfecter of our faith, the finisher of our faith, he is the one who did the work, defeated death, and said, it is finished. He not only blazes the trail before us, sets the course ahead of us, but he shows us how to go. As the finisher, he shows us how to do it. He makes it possible for us to run at all. Last week, we were down in South Carolina for Thanksgiving, and we were at Melanie's mom's house, sitting around the kitchen table, and we were telling stories. She grew up in Beckley, West Virginia. Some of you know where that is and have been there. And her dad, Anthony Gargas, was from Polish immigrant roots, and he was a coal miner there in Beckley. He died in, at an early age because of the damage that the coal mining did to his body. His wife, Melanie's grandmother, her mama, prayed fervently for her husband, Anthony Gargas, to accept Jesus Christ. One day, while working in the coal mines, he had a vision from God, and he committed his life to the Lord and committed his life to preach the gospel. He surrendered to the call to ministry, took him and his family for a year to Louisville, Kentucky, to attend the Southern Baptist Seminary, and then moved back to Beckley, where he started churches, and several of them are still thriving to this day. Melanie's mother, and we're just once removed from this generation, y'all. She grew up in a four-room house with no heating, of course no air conditioning, and no indoor plumbing. When Melanie's dad came a courting and had to use the facilities, they told him it was out back. That's how it was. And the winters were bitter cold. Melanie's grandfather, her papa, would get up early in the morning and would walk to church 
when it snowed and the snow was deep, he would cut a path through the snow out to the street and down to the school so the girls would have a way to go. I believe this is exactly what Jesus does for us. As the author or the pioneer of our faith, he makes the path and then he, as the perfecter and the finisher, shows us the way we should go. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that weighs us down, every hindrance, and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set out before Him, marked before Him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us pray. Thank You so much, Lord, for going before us and behind us. Thank You that when we are burdened, weighed down, hurting, broken, struggling, that you've shown us a way out. You said you're the way. Lord, help us, in spite of whatever we might be experiencing, to make you Lord over all this, even the bad stuff, and that we might run the race before us with perseverance. Surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, our home team cheering us on. But more than that, looking over all of that at you, the author and perfecter of our faith. In Jesus' name we pray.